I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, if you would please, in the copy of the Scriptures. And we're in number four. Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, please. And then find in your place, if you'll turn to Matthew, chapter number 23. Matthew number 23. Then there's a verse in Matthew number 27. I have about three more, but we better wait on them. A little reluctant to tell you I have a sermon that has five texts to it. But I am aware that we're on a schedule, especially on Sunday morning. I was a pastor for 20 years, and I am aware that at a certain time we, we leave on Sunday morning. So I'll try to be mindful of that. Joy to greet you. I apologize for being a couple minutes late. I'm in a motel somewhere back this way, out on 75, and uh, I left the motel in time to get here a little early and got out on 24, and the traffic is backed up all the way to where I got on, and I knew then that if I'm going to get here in time to preach, I need to find another route here. So I got off and took off in a direction. It was going the wrong way, really. <laughs> And finally got uh, back, headed this direction, and back over here, over the way, and through a tunnel, and another direction. And you know, it's a little embarrassing to stop and to ask directions and tell them you lost preacher, amen. So, <laughs> going to start a meeting and lost on the way. <laughs> well, I tell you, I look forward to coming and sharing these days together. And I apologize for my hoarseness. I, have, I preached last week. The week before that, I had to leave a meeting. I'd been off uh, prior to that two weeks and went to Alabama down in Birmingham area and preached and moved on up in Virginia for a few days and had to go back home because of the hoarseness of my voice. And, and uh, then last week, I was over in South Carolina for four nights. And then uh, the doctor originally wanted me to go for some tests, a little further tests this week. So I told him that if we could put it off, I'd appreciate it. And that's what I was doing. I told him I was going to camp meeting, amen. <laughs> so my wife said last night, someone asked her where I was at this week and said, well, I, I think I heard him say he's going to be in a camp meeting. And then she asked me if that's correct. I said, yeah, every time I come to Temple, we have a camp meeting. And I like that. I, I was blessed uh, uh, especially blessed in the music this morning. The fellowship of the Lord's presence is so real. My heart's been warm just to sense His presence and enjoy the reality of the Lord in your music here, and I'm grateful for that. Hi, I'm going to preach on revival. I, I almost uh, went that direction this morning, but I need a little more time than, than I take on Sunday morning to do what I feel God wants me to do in the, in the, the service, the message that He laid on my heart. So I want to just sort of read a few verses and then call our attention to these other verses and try to make an application and illustrate one of them. Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter and the 35th verse. The same day when the evening was come, it's been a busy day for him. <clears throat> Much has happened in this day. So it's evening time and he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. 
And there were also with him other little ships. There rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. They awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I preached a series about 30 years ago in the pastorate. I entitled it, I entitled it then, Just Some Questions Out of the Bible. When they put it in the tape catalog, I noticed that my brother, he entitled that series, That's a Good Question. They was perhaps when I preached them, 15 to 20 of them. We came to the first question in the Bible, titled it God's first question. He said to Adam, where art thou? The second message was man's first question. He said, am I my brother's keeper? We came to others in the first book of the Bible. A number of them came out of that book. Two years ago, I preached on Sunday morning in this pulpit on one of those questions out of the psalm, Psalm number 8. What is man? I come this morning to a question that was in that series, and uh, I'm not preaching it as I did then. I just want to lift it out and uh, share a word of testimony about this question and then look at these other verses. Look at verse number 38. They'll wake him out of his sleep. And their question to him was, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I want to raise the question in a moment, does Jesus care? They said to him, if you'd let me paraphrase it, don't you care? We're perishing, apparently we're going under. You have any concern about this? Carest thou not that we perish? The Bible said he rose, he rebuked the wind, he spoke to the sea, and there was a great calm. He then put two questions to them. He asked them about why they were so full of fear. His second question was directed toward their faith, the lack of it. And then there's another question. There's four. When I preached this, we just sort of uh, pitched our mental tents around those four questions and gave some consideration to them. The last question is a question among themselves, and they said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea, the elements, they respond to him. They obey him. I made a visit. Uh, Lord leading, I'll make reference to it and close into the Methodist Hospital downtown Indianapolis a few days ago. Largest hospital is a number of them in our city, but the Methodist is the largest one. My mind went back, and especially this morning when I came to this scripture to one Friday evening in late and even early morning hour, I was a pastor then, and I'd been called or been asked to come to the hospital, and the family had been told that one of their family members perhaps would uh, slip out that evening, and we waited and waited, and it's now nearly midnight now. In fact, it's after midnight when I leave. And the doctor had come back and told them they felt now perhaps the crisis was over, and they were a little more stable, and if they'd like, they could go get some rest. Just that family and I and another individual, another older man in that room, and 
I met members of the family that I did not know, that family members from out of the city, and I discovered that two or three of them didn't know the Lord. And I was praying all times that the Lord would give me an inroad, open the door, let me share my faith, and let me share the gospel with them. One of the men that leads music in his church, and he'd been to our church. Part of the family was members of our fellowship, and the brother that was uh, leading the music, the brother from our church, said to him, your favorite song is Brother Hurt's favorite song, the song that Dr. Weigel gave us, No One Ever Cared for Me Like Jesus. We began to talk, and that opened the door. The man immediately crossed the table from me. I discovered he's a little ill at ease. He didn't relate to what we were talking about. It appeared to me that if he did have a relationship with the Lord, he was not in touch with him. And the Spirit of God wanted me just sort of direct my attention to him in particular. And we talked a while about Calvary, the love of God, how good God is. I could say it without being boastful. It was a wonderful, even an awesome sense of God's presence uh, around 11, 12 o'clock came in that waiting room. We're over now and leaving, and there's an older man. What I'm leading up to, he's been listening. I'd, I'd spoken to him, but I, I, I wasn't aware who he was. And he said, he called me, Pastor. He said, Pastor, could, could I say a word to you before you leave? And I said, sure. He said, I've been listening. He said, especially when you told him that no one ever cared for you like Jesus. He said, my boy's back there dying. And I just thought if somebody could tell him what you told these people. He said, my boy's lost. My boy's a bitter man. He's bitter at God. He's a young man dying with an inoperable brain tumor. He won't be here long. I don't know whether he'll welcome us or not, but he said, would it be asking too much to ask you to go back there and, and speak to my boy? I said, I'll be glad to. And we went back. He was asleep, had his back toward the door. That man was... Oh, I think around 80, late 70s, the man I went in to see, he's near 50. And the father, he spoke to him, and he turned over, and he said, this is Pastor Hurt, told the church I was from, and he said, I met him in the waiting room, and he said, I heard him tell a family out there about the love of God. No one ever cared for him like Jesus, and I asked him to come in here and speak to you about it. I couldn't tell you and wouldn't tell you what he said. I think in 36 years of trying to preach the Word of God and sharing faith and talking to people on an individual basis, I think I'm safe in saying that I've never encountered such rudeness. A person that was so hateful, even mean, directed it basically at his aged father. I didn't say a word. I stand behind the older man. He said, if I ever need a preacher, and I doubt that I will, I'll select my own preacher. I resent you bringing this man in here at 1 o'clock in the morning, waking me up. You know what I feel about God? That old man was standing there, had his hat in his hand. He said, son, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just wanted this pastor to tell you that somebody loves you. He said, please, forgive me. Turned, we walked out. He apologized to me. I said, you don't owe me an apology. 
He said, I, I never dreamed that my boy would say what he did to you. And he, he did direct some personal remarks toward me. We had Saturday prayer meeting at our place. We met. We'd meet at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. And many of those folks would pray till noon. And he would go out and just canvas our, our neighborhood all Saturday afternoon. We used to bring between four and 500 on those buses. They'd go in those poor areas of those cities and weep over them, knock on those doors. Bring them the house of God. Win those boys and girls. Then we'd go out and God oftentimes let us win their parents. I meet some of those youngsters all over this country now. I preached for one two or three weeks ago. He'd get up and introduce me. said, Brother Hurt's bus picked me up. I got saved. He baptized me. God called me to preach later and said, Now Brother Hurt's preaching a meeting for me. That Saturday morning, I said to our people, I met a man last night. I couldn't sleep by thinking about him. He needs God. I told him the story. I said, he doesn't need us to put him down. He needs us to hold him up to God. I couldn't tell you how many people I heard. I gave him his name. him audibly as well as I know my name the spirit of God said go back in that room I pushed the door open and spoke to him and he opened his eyes and I said sir I, I wouldn't offend you for the world if you don't in this room you tell me to get out and I'll honor your wishes and I said I just wondered I was back here and I said God want me to come in and speak to you I just wonder did you understand why your father wanted me in here with you and him last night? He, his expression changed from some hardness to he's trying to fight back some tears. And he said to me, I've been thinking about this ever since then. He said, could you find in your heart to forgive me? I don't know what made me do what I did. I said, yes, I forgive you. I said, would you let me talk with you a moment? If you don't want to, then fine. He motioned to the chair, and I pulled it upside his bed. Before I left, I said to him, what your dad wanted me to tell you last night is no one ever cared for us like Jesus. I said, would you let me pray with you? He, he just closed his eyes and didn't say a word. I prayed with him. That Saturday, I preached on Sunday. I traveled three days a week when I was a pastor. Our midweek was on Thursday, and that let me travel in conference revival work three days a week. And uh, I told one of our associates, we had uh, three full-time men working on staff with us. And I said to Brother Bob, I told him, I said, would you go back out on Monday? And he went. Without me going a lot of detail, listen carefully, he went on, on Monday, and uh, I called home, and my wife said, Bob wanted me to know that he was gone. He wasn't there. He checked the register. No one knew where he lived. I told him where I thought he lived. They, they called a man that had worked at one of the automobile plants with him. He told them uh, where they lived. They went out there on Tuesday for sale sign on a beautiful big house out there, a lake and acreage, about 30, 40 acres. He worked at uh, one of the General Motor plants for 30 years, just retired, built that place. Discovered he had brain tumor less than a month after he retired. In the meantime, his wife left him. Uh, with uh, 
supposed to have been one of his best friends. And there he was, bitter. Bob called me and I said, Bob, check with the neighbors, see where he's at. They didn't know. House was empty. Got back home, we went out there. No one seemed to know. They just said, I think he's out of state with some family. I've said all that to say this. I'm not sure how long, at least, I would guess three months, something like that. Two months at least. The phone rang one Sunday night. I was preaching and this eight man came out just as soon as the sermon's over and he said, Pastor, there's a man on the phone. He's been on, the, on there. This is the third time. He said, it's so urgent. He needs to speak with you. And I had one of the associates take the invitation. I went to the phone and it was that aged man again. And uh, he said, we're in a Methodist hospital. My boy's died. He's asking for you. He's still conscious. And he says, you don't want to go to hell. Could you come back out here again, please? I walked in the room and I didn't recognize him. His hair's all gone and he's, he's just skin and bone and eyes back in a socket. And, but yet he's, he's able to think clearly and, and he speaks clearly. When I walked up to the bed, he looked up at me and he said, Preacher, does he, does he still care for me? I said, more than I can tell you. Oh, I tell you, heaven came in that room. He got saved. His aged mother was in there too. She started clapping her hands. They from up there, a place called Jellico, Tennessee, up the other side of Knoxville. She's clapping her hands and saying, Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving our boy. He hugged that old man. He hugged his mom. He said to me, could I hug your neck? <clears throat> well, he amazed everybody. He, doctors, a doctor said in my presence some three or four days after, said he should have been dead a week ago. He gained strength. I repeat, he amazed them. He said to me, Brother Hurt, if I could get out of here and come to church, if, if you folks would have me, I'd let you baptize me and I'd join up with you. <laughs> he said, I know you're busy and I'm not a member of your church, but... He said, would you preach my funeral? And I did. And he said, would you tell the folks at my funeral no one ever cared for me like Jesus? Pardon me for being so personal and taking so much time. But our text says, <clears throat> Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now, I'm going to take just a very brief time, just a few minutes, and I want you to relate this question to three areas of our life where our Lord is showing special concern. Three different people in this room this morning, he, he liked to draw up real close to and just whisper in your ear and says, Yes, I care. Oh, of course he cares, but in three different areas this morning. And what I want to do, I, I read a sermon years ago, and in a rather unique way, a person pointed out five times in the New Testament, our Lord uses a word in repetition. I'm not talking about just a word. I should say a name, a person, or a place. He uses a word more than that when he says, verily, verily. But five times our Lord will take the name of a person or a place, and in repetition... He, he, he repeats that name. 
And I want to take them this morning and relate them to three areas. Three of them cover one area. Our Lord spoke. I ask you to turn to Matthew 23. He's looking at his city and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Not just once, but twice. He said, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that sent to thee. Notice now, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. How often would he have done that? We don't know. Implication is so many times. Oh, he said, I stood ready. But he said, you would not. Didn't say you could not come. He said you would not come. I mean, it's the matter of the will. You choose to come. When he speaks to you, you choose to respond or you can say no to him. And here's a, a city. Here's the, the city of, of Jerusalem. Here's this very special place, unique place. And our Lord said, I'd have gathered your children. So often I'd have done that. He used the name of it twice. Then some three chapters later on the, uh, in Matthew 27, he's hanging on the cross. He's been there now. He's spoken three times before this statement. He speaks three times immediately afterwards. It's now, uh, the scripture says it's the ninth hour. Corresponds to our 3 p.m. And he cries, that fourth cry from the cross. He said, my God, my God. Not once, but twice. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then we'll not turn to it, the book of Acts, chapter number, chapter number 9 and verse 4. He speaks with such an authoritative voice from heaven, and he takes a man's name, and he says, Saul, Saul. All of those three times he uses this a name in repetition. He's expressing concern in a particular area. And I suggest, and I'll close with it in a moment, I raise the question, does Jesus care? He cares for us poor sinners. Even rebellious, stubborn, wicked sinners like Saul of Tarsus, moral, yes, but mean. Thought he was doing God's service. And the Bible said he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the people of God. That's a term like a ferocious animal. He's so full of rage within him. He's full of anger in him. He's full of hatred in him. And here's one speaks from heaven and takes his name upon his lips twice. Saul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for Saul. Does he care? Oh, if you're in this room without him uh, this morning, I got good news for you. That one who said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That one who said, Saul, Saul. That one who, who hanging on the cross for us poor sinners, paying that ultimate price. He said, my God, my God, why? You know why God turned his back? He spared not his own son, but through the grace of God, he spared us. Oh, we can go free. Does he care? Behold what manner of love the Father has shown to us. He's displayed it. He's put it where we can see it. Where was it at? At the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'll close with that in a moment. But again, he takes a name upon his lips in repetition. This time, the record of it is in Luke's gospel. Both of these are. Luke chapter 10. He takes the name of a lady. A real busy lady. And he's in the home, in her home, apparently. The Bible said it came to pass when they entered into a village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. 
And uh, there's her sister. You recognize them immediately. They have a brother by the name of Lazarus. He's the one that died, and the Lord brought him back to life. But here's the Lord and these disciples in this home, and he's doing what he was wont to do when people was around him. He was sharing truth. He's opening the word. He, 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 the, the, this other one's listening to his word as he's speaking truth to her. But Martha, listen. But Martha, verse 40, was cumbered, distracted really is the word, was cumbered about much serving. And she came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? We're asking, does he care? Dost thou not care that my sister left me to serve alone? And then she, she has a plea. I sometimes preach a series on unanswered prayers. This is one of them. I entitled it why Martha couldn't get her prayer answered. She said, bitter therefore. She helped me. Now listen. Jesus answered and said, not just once but twice, Martha, Martha. Then he goes ahead and and indicates where the real problem is. Martha, she comes out of the kitchen. She comes out of the kitchen troubled. But our Lord moves beyond the symptoms, and he gets to the real problem. And he said, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Don't miss this. And Mary has chosen that good part, that is, that needful thing. Does he care? I've already indicated he cares for us poor sinners, but he cares for us when we are stressful in our service, when we're uptight. The word careful is our word. The root word is anxiety. When we're worried, when we're fretted, when we're under pressure. And here's Martha. She comes out of the kitchen. She comes out of there resenting. She comes in there dictating. She comes in there fretting. I was preaching some time ago, and that message, when I deal just with Martha, Martha, why, why Martha couldn't get her prayer answered, and I said, Martha, she's having trouble in the kitchen. One dear lady asked me, she said, how could you be so sure she's having trouble in the kitchen? <laughs> well, she came out of the kitchen. Jesus said she's troubled, amen. You don't have to have a, you know, advanced degree to figure that out. <laughs> And in that same service, uh, I, I, I just couldn't get away from that word, Martha, Martha. And two ladies, God hears this, and it wasn't far from where I stand this morning. And two ladies came up, and they're standing down here, and they're sisters. And they wanted to meet me, and the one that introduced themselves, she said, Brother Hurt, I'm Mary. This is my sister Martha. <laughs> and said, I, I just thank God that God sent her a sermon today. <laughs> Amen. Oh, you know. So since then, you know, and Martha, she didn't, you know, she, she didn't look like, she looked like her joy had gotten away. And since then, when I'm saying Martha, Martha, uh, I think it's probably helpful to say, you know, if I'm not being personal, that can say Wilbur, Wilbur. Oh, we get there. I was in a meeting, and I don't want to reflect this perhaps being recorded. But it's been not very long ago. And a lady, uh, her family was there from another church in the community, and I noticed they were disturbed and broken in the invitation time. And she asked to speak with me. And, oh, I guess she's probably early 40s. Her and her husband and, and, and a couple of the children was there. They have a teen, a junior age, and they were there. And she said, Brother Hurt, I almost called you. I know that you and Dad are close. And she was kind to me. Dad, he, he has respect for you. And uh, Dad would listen to you. She then... She said, I've never seen Daddy like he is. 
steadiness, as she put it. He's burdened down. I'm worried. I'm afraid he's going to quit. I couldn't bear the thought that he quit the ministry. He's, he's under such pressure. He's struggling. And she said, Brother Hurd, I, I love him so much, and you could even tell him that I told you if you like, but please, could you go see Daddy? He's a man I have tremendous admiration and respect for. But the moment I heard his voice, I knew that if someone put it, his fire's about to go out. See, we reveal in our speech what's in our heart. Our countenance reflects what's in here. And the moment I saw him, I knew, I knew something. I said, how's things going? And he said, oh, great, great. And I said, really? Are you being honest? And he started weeping. He said, Brother Hurt, you can tell, can't you? He said, I, I said to God, I'm not tired of your work, God, but I'm tired in it. He said, heavy, heavy is the load. I find myself with thoughts that I never dreamed I'd have. I've even thought about if I could quit in a way that I wouldn't hurt many people, I'd hang it up. We sat and talked, and I said to him, I turned back and looked at another verse back here. I said, do you still have that hour early in the morning with God in his word? Do you still get that manna in the morning? Do you still get the inner man renewed day by day? Do you still meet him and let him create a burning, as it were, in your heart with the word of God? Oh, I'm not preaching to him. See, I relate to that. We just want to be honest. If we're not careful, we get where Martha's at. Busy, busy. I got a sermon I entitled The Barrenness of Busyness. We get so busy, we become barren and empty, and we don't have any time to meet God. Does He care? Oh, yes. Yes, He cares. He cares when you're down and discouraged. I outlined a sermon this week when he came to his servant Elijah, when old Elijah had got to the place he didn't want to live. He's under that juniper tree, let me die. And the Lord said, Elijah, what doest thou here? I don't think you would have heard impatience and scorn and anger in his voice. You'd have detected some kindness in his voice. Old Elijah, the Lord refreshed him, rested him, and then recommissioned him. Oh, he did give him a rebuke. But even when he rebukes us, that's an expression of his love. Whom he loves, he chastens. You're down this morning. You used to have joy. Oh, the Bible was refreshing. You look forward to speak a word in His name. You want to share your faith, but somehow now it's heavy, heavy. Does He care? He wants us to follow Mary's example. She was seated at His feet, listening to His word. I close by just mentioning the other. He, he came to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha. And now he comes to Simon Peter. That's recorded in the 22nd chapter and the 31st verse of this book of Luke. And he said, Simon, Simon. He cares for us poor sinners. He cares when we're stressful, when we're serving in such a way that we're filled with stress instead of having the joy of the Lord. But here is one that's stumbling. He's falling. 
And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan desired to have you, but I prayed for you. But your faith failed not, and when thou art converted. See, his courage failed him, but his faith didn't fail him. He didn't lose his faith. He lost his courage and denied his Lord. But then Jesus looks beyond that and said, when you're converted, when you come back from your backsliding, when you come back from your failure, strengthen your brethren. Does he care when I'm stumbling, when I have fallen, when I'm defeated? I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark. I came in there this morning to the last chapter, and I made myself a note. You remember when the Lord sent that angel and said, tell him, uh, tell his disciples to meet him over yonder in Galilee. And there's a little addition there, and Peter. See, you'd have thought that would have been sufficient. Just say his disciples. No, if they'd have went over there and said he wants the disciples, Simon, the last time we saw him, he's denying and he's cursing and he's swearing. And Peter said, no, that doesn't include me. I quit. Oh, by the way, that angel said, he said, and tell, be sure and tell Peter too. And Peter. I made myself a note and I said this morning, my note, how tender. How kind. How do you treat people when they're down? What's our response to people when they've failed, they've fallen? The Bible said, you who are spiritual, you restore such a one. He didn't say for us to ignore them and reject them and put them further down. He said, restore such a one and do it in the spirit of meekness. Does he care? I close with this. He cares for us poor sinners. He cares when we're stressful to the point that we're just under such pressure we're ready to explode. He cares when we've stumbled and when we've fallen. I heard a person give this story, and it so gripped my heart, talking about our Lord's compassion, His care. A little boy was brought into a hospital, a little abandoned boy. Uh, they knew nothing about the little fellow. They nothing, didn't know his name, didn't know anything about his parents. And this nurse that was telling the story is a nurse that given a testimony and loves the Lord Jesus. She said, I was in charge of the floor there where they brought him. And she said, I was pleased to see the doctor. It was put on his case because the doctor is a committed Christian that loves Jesus. And he said he spent a considerable amount of time with that little abandoned fella. And said then when he came back, he took his pen out and, and he wrote in bold letters on that chart. Said he sp spent a while with his chart. And he wrote it in bold letters with a, with a red pen. He said, I was, of course, interested to see what that doctor wrote on that chart. And said, I went over there and looked. And here's what he wrote on that boy's chart in bold letters. He says, love patiently, kindly, and tenderly. And he says, increase the dosage daily because the disease is failed. And I heard that and I thought, there's a world around us. They got a fatal disease. They need somebody to love them patiently, kindly. And tenderly. And don't give up on them. Just keep increasing that. Oh, I was in the church the other day. They've caught a hold of that. And I said to them, I've been there for years. I've been going for nearly 30 years every year. I couldn't tell you what they're doing out across that community. Just because with broken hearts, they meet God in prayer. And with broken hearts, with his love, they go out and tell people, God loves you. And the Bible says, love never fails. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Does he care? I'm glad, thank God, we've got the answer. He cares. No one ever cared for me like Jesus.
I'm going to turn the service to the pastor in a moment. But there's something about when God is speaking, if we'll just promptly, wholeheartedly respond, right there is where we get victory. See, God never speaks to me to put me down. He speaks so we have opportunity to do business. You're unsaved, don't leave that way. You're away from God, He really cares for you. Come back to Him. This morning you're under pressure, come thank Him for speaking to you. Then start meeting Him in His Word daily and get that inner person renewed and that pressure will lift. And you can serve the Lord with gladness. You can have a song in your service. Stand with me with heads bowed, please. And I'm going to pray. And don't miss God. Folks are coming already. Our Father, would you take this part now and do as only you can do. Spirit of God, you're welcome. Thank you for being in this room this morning. Seal this truth to our hearts and cause us to be different because you again have shed abroad your love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being in this place in power with us today. Our heads are bowed. The pastor's here. God bless you, pastor.